Why does God let bad things happen? God is so loving. Why, why God? does he why, let God? evil exist? Then why, why does God? He let why does he let evil exist? Why does God, why does God let, let bad things why, happen? God? These questions are as old as time. And they're basically all the same. And aimed at the same target. It's a target mankind has honed in on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Why does God let bad things happen? Have you ever asked that? I know I have. Like whenever tragedy occurs or whenever we experience death and hardship, it's, it's usually the first question we ask, right? Why, God? Why, God, is probably the greatest roadblock in our relationship with Him. I mean, how can we love and trust and believe, let alone follow, a God who is unseen and at times feels so distant and so detached from our lives? Well, Jesus has the answer. It's found in the Gospel of John. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. To know Jesus is to know God. So, just as Jesus told his friend Philip, if we want to know God, we need to truly get to know Jesus. They are one and the same. When we're fascinated with something, really fascinated, we're obsessed, right? Be it fly fishing, the latest Netflix craze, or or a new car. We can't get enough. So what would happen if we were truly fascinated with Jesus? Fascinated with Jesus. Today we're talking about being fascinated with Jesus with my friend Chris Saris. Chris is the author of God is Just Like Jesus, and he'll be leading our new study and discussion, Fascinated with Jesus. Discovering God's Character Through Jesus' Words and Actions. It'll start on January 16th, 2022. Thanks for joining us today. This is Flatirons Longmont Campus Pastor Dan Foote, and you're listening to The Long Haul. Life, Faith, and the Road Ahead. As we sit down here today, I want to delve into this understanding around getting to know Jesus. Because that's a key part of what God has planted into your heart, this passion for Mm -hmm. people to understand Jesus. And the reason being is because Jesus tells us, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Wow. Right? Right. So when we get to know Jesus, we get to know God. They're one and the same Mm. amongst that trinity that will just make our heads hurt, right? Yeah. But tell me about this. First, tell me about you grew up in Texas. Yep. What was that like? The Reader's Digest version. My dad, he's Greek, so we're second or third generation Greek. He started a Greek restaurant. Well, actually, it was a seafood restaurant first. Later, it was Italian, but he was in the restaurant business because that's what they did. 
We had a family life that was incredibly busy with him, you know, at the restaurant, 60, 80 hours a week. In my head, I'm seeing my big fat Greek wedding. Oh, I know. My wife teased me. Is that what your family's like? I'm like, honey, for crying out loud, this is an exaggeration. <laughs> exactly. But I think she thinks the same thing. But So your dad didn't think Windex <clears throat> cured everything. No, and we didn't have Greek columns in front of our house, <laughs> but he might have liked them. So. Yeah. But yeah, very energetic uh, man, very, very much people person. I started working from like 12 years up, bussing tables, cleaning glasses in you know, the restaurant, waiting tables, cooking. I did every, I always had money because I worked from 12 on. Right. Did and, you like um, working that early or? Yeah, I did. It was great. And I built a fascinating, like large comic collection when I was younger, like 5,000 comics. I poured tons of money into them. But You're wearing a Captain America t-shirt. Did you collect Captain America? Fantastic Four, actually, but I am a huge Marvel fan. I love Cap because he always doubles down and does what's right and cares right. about people. So I, he's my favorite all time. Okay. So, yeah, love Captain America. But – as I grew up and various things in Texas, my, my dad uh, wrestled with being manic depressive and, and would be, could be really angry or could be depressed or could be really expressive and fun to be around. Yeah. But that put a lot of strain on the marriage. And um, after lots of drama and whatnot, I went to college just to get out of the, the drama, really. And at 23, I didn't want a belief system. Right. I wasn't looking for a belief system. I was looking for my next girlfriend and, right. and, a, and wherever the party was. And Jesus really tracked me down and convinced me that he was real. And so I responded to that at 23, and I was shocked. And that was in Colorado? That was in Colorado. I came out here to go to college at CU. From my chaotic childhood, I went on this crazy journey to figure out, oh, my gosh, God, I, I got honest about a lot of things I was doing. God forgave me. And then I had to wrestle with, okay, who the heck is he? Can you quickly encapsulate when you said Jesus got a hold of you and showed you that he was real? Mm. What was that experience like? Oh, my gosh. I had been kind of exposed to, you know, some some church culture and some messages, but I mean, we're talking the Episcopal Church, but I began to have an awareness of uh, of God. And then, you know, interestingly, I ran into a lady that was a kind of friend of the family, and I didn't know it at the time. She, she was a little bit more Pentecostal, which there were some positives and negatives there, but she took the Bible seriously. The first person I ever met that really took the Bible seriously. Because up to this point, you're Episcopalian, yeah, not Gr- Greek. Yeah. Then we've got the Orthodox Greek church well, in there as well. The incense, the right. the uh, the censer going back and forth, blessing the people, the holy water, the whole the robes, everything. Right. And so, but we only had the Episcopal Church and the Greek Orthodox kind of in and out of our family. I wouldn't say my parents were really Christians, but they were dabbling, and they know they needed some kind of moral compass to help guide them through life. But they were searching. Somehow or another, I had enough kind of Christian content building up to uh, when I was in college where my mom uh, was going to a new church and she wanted me to meet the pastor at this new church. And and when I came home for the summer, I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to do that. I'm like, Mom, I'm a Christian. Give me a break. I read my Bible. I wasn't reading my Bible. But you just wanted to appease her. Oh my gosh. I just wanted her off my back. Right. But she said, No, you know, and then she plays the trump card. She's like, 
do it for me. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. for crying out loud. And that was one of the greatest things in my life. Nothing more motivating than mother guilt. Oh, my gosh. It was awesome. Really the best thing for me. And so I went back. The worship was amazing. And the Lord was actually touching me. I recognize now. And I was really captivated by by the worship. So this was not the Episcopal Church. No. This is a evangelical. Something like that. Kind and, of maybe evangelical charismatic a little bit. Okay. So – I didn't even understand the worship, but it was relevant to my culture, and I was really drawn in. And then there's that Holy Spirit thing he does when he touches your heart, and you don't even know what's happening, except you feel alive. And that happened around this church service that you went to. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was a mixture of what was taught with the music and all of that together. Yeah, And, and the music was the real softening and connection, and then the teaching was good as well. What year was this? I went to see you at 1983. So this has got to be like roughly 1986. So in 1986, are you still like rock and roll dude, Def uh, Leppard? Because you're, you're a generation behind me. Well, you know, it's funny. I don't like saying this about myself, but I think I was very average, right? I went to see you. You know, I'm definitely looking for a girlfriend. Definitely all about that. Women were amazing and... um and they and, are. And they are. And uh, <laughs> But, you know, getting a little squirrely in there a little bit, trying to get through school, really thinking about how much money I can make and how much fun I can have. Right. That's what I mean by average. I wasn't hardcore anything, really. I was just somebody bumbling through life. It was more relevant than the Episcopal High Church, yeah. Oregon, that kind of stuff. Because I couldn't connect to the hymns. Yeah. But let's say it was it was like contemporary worship songs that we have now, and yet it was in, in the church back then. And so when I walked in and it wasn't hymns, I was like, amazing. And the, the lyrics and the content were incredible. So... Uh, my mom had arranged for me to talk to the pastor, which I was going to bail on, quite frankly. But the <laughs> Lord did this funny thing convicting my heart at that church service. And I was just like, OK, I guess I'm going to go because this is unusual what's happening. So I went and he said, well, tell me about your life. And I unloaded and he says, um, huh, that's 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 OK, I get it. So when, when he said, tell me about your life and you unloaded, what did you unload? Well, it wasn't exactly the Christian life my mom hoped I was living. So, you know, I, I talked to him about, you know, my girlfriend and I never dated but one girl at a time. But, you know, there's a lot of things that are really not going to help my future or hers. You know, just the typical college, like, let's go have a drink. Let's have fun. You know, and then hopefully you don't have too many regrets the next day. And so I just explained to him kind of my life. And he said, uh, huh, you, but you, you're telling me you're a Christian. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, it doesn't sound like it to me because there was, I had no interest in God. And that came out in my story. Yeah, yeah, I'd read the Bible and I'd been to church, but there was nothing stir. I was bored with God. Right. I was interested in my girlfriend. Okay. I guess what I'm hearing when he asked you, are you a Christian? And you said, yes, that was more for you. It was the cultural piece, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Just culturally, I'm a Christian. Yeah. You know, we go to church yeah. on Christmas and Easter. Yeah, yeah. And I know who Jesus is. To use the George Costanza line, I, I know the basic plot. Yes, Yeah. right. Yeah, and what was the song, Jesus is Just All Right With Me? Right. right? That was the Doobie Brothers. It's cool. It's cool. You know, I'm not interested. I'm not involved. 
there's no passion in my heart. I don't think he really cares about me. He seems distant. But yeah, I know about him, whatever. So when he said, it doesn't sound like you're a Christian, Mm. did that convict you? Did that make you angry? Did you just blow it off? I... Yeah, I really felt like I didn't want to be there at that moment because that was too honest. And is your mom like it just is your mom like right over your shoulder? No, she's not. I'm I'm meeting with him separately, and that was really good. But it just kind of got in my face in a good way, so I could cut through all the gray zone and all the BS that I'm telling myself. And I just kind of had to agree with him. Yeah. And he just looked at me straight up. There was just there's no goofing around. He's just like, I don't know. Do you want to commit your life to Christ right now or not? You know, he goes, where, where do you want to go? Do you want to keep doing what you're doing or do you want to kind of fast track to a new track? And that was a moment of real conviction by the Holy Spirit. And I thought, huh, I'm not really going anywhere. I'm drifting. And so the, the language you're using is post-Christian, right? I mean, it's post coming to Christ. Right. So in that moment, you just felt conviction. You didn't even know that it was the Holy Spirit. I didn't Spirit. know what it was. But there was conviction. Like, yeah. What he's telling me is true. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times we hear this like, well, the Holy Spirit convicted me. Mm-hmm. And lots of us scratch our heads and go, well, what does that yeah, look like? Right. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But conviction's conviction. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happens when he when he asks you, do you want to keep going on this same road or do you want a life with Jesus? Yeah. And you were convicted to go, I think I want Jesus. When I really looked at my life and I had to explain it to somebody else and I couldn't BS my way through it, I took stock and said, huh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really convinced this is what I really want. Is there more? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Then what happened? It was just a weird moment where I looked at my life and I looked at him looking at me and I thought I can either rabbit out of here and run <laughs> or I can man up and think about this and grab hold of my life and think, well, if he is really real and there's really goodness to be had and not just the gray zone of playing in the middle between good and evil, actually, I really do want that. And so I just said, I'm down. I mean, if he's real, the answer would be yes. I want that. I want more. And I want something that's good, not just something that is lukewarm and and kind of like, I'm just doing what I feel like I want to do, and we'll see where it goes. So in your story at this moment, what happened next? He just said, you know what? Let's pray. And I'm not going to pray for you. I'll get us started. But this is your moment. Why don't you pray? You pray whatever you want to pray. And if it's in your heart, then you go for it. And so we did. He opened up and then I actually kind of welled up. And I again, I don't think I was aware of the presence. I mean, his presence is so good. And you start to be aware of that. But I don't even think I knew what that was. But I kind of started welling up thinking about my life and people that hurt me, people that I'd hurt. And, and, and I just started praying really directly to Jesus. And, um, I walked out of there and it's almost like I lost track of time. But mm. when I walked out of there to my car, I looked around and everything seemed bright and clean. And I was stunned and I was going, wow, 
what is going on? What but just I had, happened? I had got gut level honest about all of my life, and there was connection and acceptance somewhere in there. And I just, I had no idea that would be the case. And then the trajectory of my life just changed. I'm not saying everything was perfect, but I jumped on this other track in life where some goodness was grabbing hold of me and I was, I was reaching back. Mm. And a lot of things began to change. Again, I'm not talking perfection, but not, I would not go back to my former life for anything. Right. Oh, man, there's been so many good stories after that. And then there's been struggle and suffering as well. Right. Right. It's it's the great times and the rough times, but it was just good. And I just started reaching for some different things. Let's take a moment now to give people who are listening some time to talk to Jesus about when they first met him. Mm. Just like you, you didn't understand it all no, the way. not at all. And those of us, we all have our different stories about how that happened. So let's just give them a moment of silence that they can, when they're driving in their car, on the treadmill, whatever that is, to talk to Jesus about that first meeting Mm -hmm. that they had with him. Yeah. So in that moment, something changed. Yeah. Can't put your finger on it. You know, years later. You see the fruit. Yeah, you look back and you go, that was Jesus. Yeah. This is when my personal relationship with Jesus began. Yeah. And he'd been hanging around, trying to get a hold of you for a while. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Jesus, Jesus is a gentleman. Um, he wants your free will. Right. He wants the he wants, real yes. Yeah. He's not into coercion. Right. So then you go on this journey. I'm making broad assumptions, but did you get baptized? I did, but it wasn't right off the bat. The first thing that started changing was how I started relating to my girlfriend. But uh, within about, gosh, I don't know how, how long it would be, I actually end up getting baptized in somebody's pool in the backyard. That's great. So the first steps were recognizing that we got you had changed some stuff around your relationship mm-hmm. with your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. How'd that go? Uh, that was a funny one. You know, so often we have the impression that like it's the guys pressuring the girls all the time, you know, to get in bed and whatnot. And um, and I think certainly that's true some of the times. But she was a dear lady. She was the one kind of pressuring me to to go the distance. And I didn't realize at that time that could be something to kind of close the deal and lock in the relationship and guarantee a future. And so I kind of went back to her and I said, yeah, you know, that thing that you were talking to me, like, you know, practice makes perfect and you're available anytime. Uh, I said, and practicing I, sounds fun. Right, right. I said, uh, I, um, I don't think we're going to be doing that. And she looked at me like I was nuts. And I said, 
Jesus, he's actually real. And and he has some real thoughts about relationships and respecting you and you respecting me and how we build a relationship and the marriage and whatnot. And so I, I just think I don't we're not gonna do that. And she looked at me like are you on drugs? And I felt, <laughs> and my response was like, no, I used to be on drugs, but now I'm not on drugs. And yeah, I think we need to think about a relationship differently. And that, her head turned around sideways. That yeah. was just different than anything she'd conceived of. Yeah. But again, a great girl, but just no context for how to build a really meaningful relationship that's going to last. But this is what happens when Jesus gets a hold of our hearts. It, New desires and new insights crop up. Right. Jesus wants that for you. Yeah, yeah, right? Totally. He wants you to have that abundant life that is promised to us. Yeah. And that abundant life is about relationships. Oh, my gosh. And whether that's friendships or marital relationship. But again, it falls within the marital range. Yeah. The moment we step out of that, it's out of what God points to. Yeah. And so... We steer clear of having those conversations because we don't want that practicing to end. Yeah. You know, yeah, that yeah. Pra- you it's know. a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. We don't want that to end. And if we, but you did, you took the road and that relationship ended. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that I love about all of our stories. When we meet Jesus and how that is a journey that doesn't end. Mm. I mean, it's a journey that even on our last heartbeat, we begin another journey, right? Yep. We're that journey, eternal journey with in heaven Absolutely. and perfection, and who you know, it's going to be amazing. Mm. That's what we're promised and what we long for. But we're also promised an abundant life here on earth. Absolutely, not problem free, as you said, yeah. and not struggle free, but, but then growing, it, right? Growing right. in goodness and with Him beside us. Yep. The whole way. That's right. So talk to me about, on your journey, what were some of the key moments? If you could just pick three key moments where that relationship, obviously talking with the pastor Mm -hmm. in Texas, boom, the journey begins. What were maybe two or three stops along the way where that relationship deepened? And what were the circumstances around that? Yeah, that's good. Once I got saved, that sense of cleanness and honesty and forgiveness that happened in that moment was incredible and it was so authentic. But then I had to get back to regular life. And one of the, one of the things that cropped up was that, okay, God's forgiven me, but what about the hard times in life? How is he going to provide for me? How, how does he feel about me? What happens when I fail or sin? And so I had a lot of, a lot of questions that rose up around his character. And so I went on this, this rabid reading decade for 10 years. I mean, reading Mm. C.S. Lewis, all kinds of books, but mainly the Bible. And I was in a desperate search of who God was and who Jesus was. And I love the forgiveness. I love the wisdom and the leading, but I also needed to know kind of like my dad, is he going to get furious and angry with me at at a moment's notice over a little thing or a big thing? Or is he different than that? Can I trust him? So if I'm in a 
trust God, there has to be something internally to really know him. There's oxygen to breathe with him, right? right? And I'm not just going to get burned to the ground when, uh, when I screw up, because I always screw up sooner or later to some degree. Don't we all? So I went on this journey through the Gospels to kind of dig through it. And then that I hit that passage you referenced earlier, which was John 14, 9, where Jesus is going to go away. And and I think it's Philip who says, hey, show us the Father. And I saw this passage in the Bible. And how many times have you been fathered by God through a verse that jumps off the page to you? And you're oh, like, yeah. oh, my gosh, is this relevant to me right here, right now? And And the verse said, Jesus is saying... If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Right. And so I thought for a moment, like, uh, what does that mean? Like, Jesus is a short, like, five foot eight Jewish guy with brown skin, brown eyes, and that tells me what the Father's eyes say. Okay, that's that's not right. Right. So I started going on this journey of of looking at how he related to people in the Gospels. It was amazing. And so I just passage after passage, year after year, started unpacking those things. And so, gosh, steps along the way. I remember I had one one girl uh, that was uh, a friend of mine that was younger, and I did some work in in youth groups and whatnot. She was really wrestling with life. Her parents were struggling. She was semi-suicidal. She really wrestled with knowing that God cared about her, and she just felt like she had nowhere to go. And so I began kind of taking some of these passages that admit something to me about how Jesus relates to various people. And I started sharing them with her and, and a couple other kids. And it, it started to catalyze that deeper in my heart when it was meaningful to other people as well. Like one of the ones I really loved was, um, was that Mark one or Mark chapter three? I can't remember which, but the, the leper comes up to Jesus, kneels before him covered in leprosy and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. Mm-hmm. And I love the NIV text says Jesus was filled with compassion. Yeah. And and healed him. And I love that and I began to share that with her and many other passages because Jesus wasn't just healing the leper because theologically, you know, he needed to make a point or you know, this, that, or the other thing. It's he deeply cared. Right. And and that was his chosen method to, to interact with this, this leper. But translating that to myself and to my friend, I'm like, he actually cares about us. Yeah. And, and that was big. And that started this, this concept that God, maybe he just doesn't tolerate me like my dad did, but maybe he likes me. Some of us have struggled to believe that, haven't we? Throughout most of my life, the idea that maybe God likes me was about as conceivable and and as believable as flying pigs and unicorns. Maybe God is ashamed, disgusted, and mad at me. That was a heck of a lot more believable. That was until I started really looking at Jesus in the Bible. How Jesus reacted and treated and cared for messed up people like me. Jesus loves me, this I know. It's an old children's song. And if Jesus loves me, then God loves me. They are one and the same. We're gonna pick up with Chris Harris next week as we continue to look at Fascinated with Jesus. Where are you on that journey? Wherever you're at, let's travel together. 
I hope you join us next week. This is Dan Foote, and you've been listening to The Long Haul. Life, faith, and the road ahead.